0: Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. How are you doing today?
1: Really well. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, you have a, a varied history. You've been in King Cobra, the Bullet Boys, and now you're doing your own thing. Yeah. And I know you got a couple of different bands going on.
1: hmm.
0: Well, yes, initially. Sure. Yep. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. But initially, I'd like to start off with your, uh, your, your, um, your influences. Like, where'd you come from?
1: Well, I grew Basically. up, apart from you, if you're in Connecticut, I grew up uh, in the Buffalo area of Western New York. And uh, my early experiences were, you know, things that I could play. Neil Young, you know, the easier, the easier tunes, with all due respect.
0: So, always guitar? Um, this yeah. Is a yeah. Sometimes just like a, there's, there's a gateway drug instrument, usually like a violin yeah. or a
1: flute. Yeah, totally. Well, I've told the story many times, but I was uh, walking down the street and saw a new kid in town I was sitting on his front steps playing a Telecaster. And I'd never been that close to a guitar before. I didn't even realize that everybody could do it. And uh, it kind of started from there. I went up and talked to him and we ended up uh, convincing a bunch of other friends to get instruments and started a band. And th- uh, that was pretty much it from there. I was a hockey player as a kid. And as soon as we started playing guitars and working on music, I... Didn't even play hockey again for <laughs> 15 years or whatever. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's how, how it all began for me. And and like I said, we you know just picked the songs that uh, we liked. I think my very first lick was 25 or 64, you know, which uh, pretty much everybody I'm sure played at the very beginning.
0: All right, well, he was uh, that was uh the guitar player. Oh, I'm going to go mental block now.
1: Oh, Terry Kath.
0: Yeah, yes. Chicago. Yeah. He, he was a madman. Oh, he's badass, totally. He is, he is great. I just saw a documentary on him uh, that yeah. long ago. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, you, so you were in New York at the time, just doing high school bands and stuff.
1: Yep. How'd you band end band up
0: transplanting over? Cause I, what was, well, actually, where was King Cobra? Because they, they called you, right? Are they, how'd that happen? That was your, probably your first big break? Well, I was
1: working in a record store on Sunset Boulevard in uh, Hollywood. West Hollywood, I
0: think. So you moved out to Hollywood? Yeah, You're so up- I
1: moved out to California after playing uh, playing for I don't know four years in New York, doing you know up and down uh, the coast tours and, and playing in Janis Joplin cover bands and doing everything that I could could to play. And mm-hmm. uh, finally, it, it sort of uh, its shelf life came up, and we moved to California, my bass player and I, with the intent to keeping our band going but we sort of went our separate ways and uh i found myself playing in cover bands and and working in original bands and honestly the very week that uh i had a meeting with carmine's manager for king cobra i had made plans to move back to baltimore and join this band that was playing in clubs so i thought that uh you know my time in la had come to an end and i just wanted to start playing out and that's uh, something that was about to happen when Carmine's manager came into the store, asked me if I played bass. I said no and uh, told him I play guitar, though, and he had Carmine come in later on when they needed a the guitar player, so yeah, it was sort of
0: serendipitous. That's interesting. They came to the store and just...
1: Yeah. Well, he just saw honest. me standing there. I don't think he, he didn't know me by any stretch. He just came up and said, hey, you play bass? Yeah. <laughs> I mean I had my hair was, you know, kind of long at the time, so I guess I had a rock thing going.
0: That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it was wild how it all worked out. And I wasn't necessarily a big fan of Carmine's work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'd heard, you know, Vanilla Fudge and certainly it was a Jeff Beck man, but uh, I didn't know that much about Carmine. I didn't really have any of his
0: records that I remember. So we did what two albums from them?
1: Yeah, they were signed Capital already. So within uh, a couple of weeks of joining, we were in pre-production and, and right into the studio working on that first record, ready to strike and uh, went out on the road toward that uh, toward that year for that record came back and uh, did our second record and then things started to sort of fizzle out. I think at that point in like, about 1987 I uh, decided to strike out on my own
0: now had you been writing songs for the band like because obviously if it's Carmen's band did they come in did they have like more of like it was like a a put together band where they're like it's carmine's band we're gonna have writers who write the songs and you guys are gonna be more of the the players or did evolve into a band out of the the gate
1: well it out of the gate it, it was a band um david michael phillips who is the other guitar player in the band had most of the tracks written um and they were, they were pretty much done, you know, for me to come in and uh, just learn the tunes was really what the gig was about at that point. Uh, we did a little creative stuff in the studio and, and ended up uh, writing a song that I had some contributions on. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I got the free will on, on the solos that I played. And, uh, you know, I credit Dave with writing a good rock record. you look know, at a lot of great uh, critical review. Um, and for the second record, it, it turned into something a little different. Uh, they wanted, Capital was insistent on getting more of a record that had singles on it, whatever that means. So that's where my pop influences, because I'm, I'm a pop cat. I, I love Power Pop and and bubblegum and all that you know crazy stuff from the 60s it was great. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a sucker for a great nullity and uh, we started you know taking that record in a very different vein and uh, ultimately that didn't work out either but it was a fun exercise and really where i got my first major uh workout in writing songs
0: very cool so um from there, so then w- what happened to the band? Because obviously it dissolved. Was it because of the records and the, the industry? It felt like the band record industry was kind of pulling people pull apart. Like That was like, what, in the mid-80s at that point? It was, that line,
1: 80, would have been 19- six, Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, ultimately what happened is after the, uh, the disappointing sales of the first record, they thought, well, if you're going to have a history here, or, or a future, I should say, you should, uh, you know, we need to get more radio play. So... Mm-hmm. Capital kind of guided the band in that direction. Well, guided isn't the real the right word. I, I would say they, you know, it was basically um, an ultimatum. You know, if you don't have any hits on this album, it won't be on the label. So it was, it was kind of an odd situation to be in. Um, we thought we were up for the challenge, and you know, we were really hoping for uh, that that would work out. I mean the way the deal was arranged it really wasn't in the favor of the band it was you know a carmine production decision. right That's and what he felt stood like. to, if there had been a lot of success he stood to make the majority of, of the money so um that being said once the record fell apart i think mark was the first to leave i'm not sure i can't remember what he did he might have started his own band or I didn't really remember why he split in the first place. And then Johnny left to join Wasp. And at that point, uh, it was pretty obvious to me that Carmine was really grasping for, I mean, he was talking to Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley about songs. And we actually worked up a couple of their tunes. And I just, I didn't like what I was seeing. Like if it had been successful, I would have been even less happy than, than before. So that was a good cue for me to leave and do my thing. By that time, Lonnie and Mark from Bullet Boys were in the band, and uh, I asked them to come along. I said, "Hey, let's." Dave, oh, they were in
0: the band too. They yeah, actually they were on, Yeah, at the very end. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, there's
1: a. Uh, I think there's some video. I'm not sure. I think there's a couple of songs too. I don't know if they're available. But
0: uh, as a fan, back I remember back when you guys. So step back for a second. Um, not mind there wasn't a lot of press for king cobra there's a few things here there's a smattering here and it was Carmen's name and then king cobra i actually had forgot that johnny was in it but there wasn't a lot of press for it if you guys maybe one video would come out once in a while didn't get a lot of rotation and then i remember there was a second album like i don't remember anything about it and then gone and then because there's no internet you don't really know all the players all the time if i don't have the albums and then right. also now here's the point where you the Bull boys came in i didn't have the full connection of, of the whole lineup at that point.
1: So Mark, yeah. When, when Mark left, uh, Mark and Johnny, I can't remember exactly how it worked out. It almost felt like Mark and Lonnie joined the band at the same time. Um, because I think, I think Mark left before Johnny did. So we, we played a few gigs, went to Spain, played a couple of gigs there. So it was a fun experience. Um, but when we got back, it was, like I said, very obvious that it wasn't going to be something I wanted to do. So I asked those guys to come along. And at the time, uh, they said, well, this is kind of our big moment. You know, we're in King Cobra, we're in a big established band. We really don't want to go back to the streets and start over again. And I said, great. Okay, that's cool. And went home and started auditioning players myself and writing. And shortly after that, the guys came around, we got in touch and started rehearsing uh, with Dave actually as a, another guitar player. At that point, he, he realized he uh, had too many obligations or s- something like that. And it, it wasn't really rounding out the way we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So he split and uh, we just kept working
0: and the rest is history. Now, the drummer, uh, Jimmy, how, when did you come into the picture?
1: He, we had a drummer that wasn't working out, and when we fired him, um, Mark knew Jimmy, and actually, come to think of it, we were all sort of rehearsing in this place uh, down in Vernon, California, and uh, Jimmy had actually sat in with us when Carmine was, Carmine had gone somewhere to do something, and Jimmy came in, he was playing Carmine's kit, and he was all happy, and just a kid you know 19 years old or whatever uh so then uh mark called him in to audition for us and that was it it was the final piece
0: so all right so at that point you guys came out and it was like you guys were, were pushed as the next van halen i'm sure you guys didn't want to hear that against you it was just you just wanted to be a new band yeah <laughs> yeah sure. ted producing you ted had that van halen sound already I don't remember in his book I don't think he's I read his book I don't remember he does really talk a lot about it.
1: Yeah, he, he I was, mentioned a little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah, it didn't he really didn't like out. our
0: lyrics. Is that what it was? I, I yeah. Honestly, I read the book and didn't really to me mostly the Dusty Springfield and the other stuff was just like sticking out the most from it and the Van Halen. It was such a small little
1: Yeah, More we anecdotal.
0: He, and it was and I, I, you know obviously you're not going to hear the whole version of the sound. He, he had a sound and the producers had a sound and that was his sound.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he basically just wanted us to go in there and, and knock it out with a very simplistic approach, which was sort of anathema to how I wanted to uh, produce our record. If there, in fact, there are some uh, three demos, I think, that we did with Garth Richardson before the, the demos that actually got assigned. Mm-hmm. And they're, I think, more representative of, of where we wanted to go, or at least where we intended to go uh so when we came in to the studio with ted and he just wanted us to you know be a three-piece rock band and um that's how it ended up happening but it wasn't you know it was a bit of a shock to me to, to listen to it
0: yeah i mean so after did that happen so you stuck in that sound or you like trying to once the album came out were you like all right we got to kind of move on from it or what i mean because then you had success with that sound on top of it yeah yeah <laughs> and,
1: and people liked it and it resonated with uh, a lot of folks so i i certainly uh certainly made friends with it you know it's, it's i'm not sure uh i'm not sure that how you know negative that that is for me to to think about that record it's not it's not like it was horrible to me you know i very easily came to grips with uh with the new way to do it. And I learned a lot from Ted. I learned that, you know, some of the simplicity is, uh, makes for a bigger sound, you know, that mistakes you make or you think you've made can sometimes be wonderful. So there was a lot that I learned from Ted. Uh, it was just a situation where I was expecting something different. Like for example, I gave them a bunch of mixed notes that would, you know, make, the record anymore what I was looking for mm-hmm. and uh, they ignored them entirely so none of that got done but it's you know it's a great record I like it
0: it was crazy I remember mean, when I first when I first started I was like you sounded good and the fact that, I think everyone's trying to make like, everybody trying to sound like Van Halen at the time you know because that was it and then hearing Mark's vocals which are good but it's it reminded me to Other. I'm like man this feels like a Van Halen band like they sounded like they're all polished up and stuff Mm-hmm. It took me a while to actually sit down and actually get, my, get the album, listen to it, and then appreciate it separately from being pushed as a Ted Templeman new Van Halen band. This is what I wanted Van Halen to be type of thing. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? It took me a while to be like, oh, I mean, I mean honestly, I was like, yeah, it sounds good, but it sounds like Van Halen. I heard two, or one or two songs, and that was it at first. Uh-huh. Later on, i have gone to, and obviously we're talking because I like it, but I had to sit down and listen to it, and, and to me, initially, that was a turnoff.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. I didn't like the idea either. And it was it wasn't
0: the music, it was just literally because it sounded so much like Dan Allen.
1: Yeah. Well, that was not the intent. In fact, I made every effort not to utilize a bunch of hammer ons, which I actually did up to that point. I mean, you hear them in some of the King Cobra stuff I did and in the live shows we were playing, I I used that stuff a bit more and almost entirely cut it out for the record uh so i did what i could to pull that back you know and not have that comparison uh, oh hold on something here
0: Something. uh ah, sorry hold on did i just lose you totally here no i see you can you see me yeah where you might have i to hear Good. I just had this thing pop up on my screen, some Adobe thing that's never done before. Weird.
1: Oh, yeah. It's
0: like, uninstall. I'm like, what the heck? Where's this coming from all of a sudden? <laughs> Stupid Mac. All right, yeah. sorry. So, yeah, it, it was crazy. It, it, and what really turned me on more was, like, I'm like I my a college He's like, oh, no, no, I'm boys. I'm like, no, they sound like Van Halen. And then I listened to you guys without Mark singing. Sound a lot less like Les Van Halen because his voice was really geared towards Daily Roth, so that was easier to start to separate a little bit more. You know? Yeah,
1: he uh he definitely contributed to that because there are, you know there's a lot of screams and he's talking, you know, yelling over the solos and mm-hmm. um I'm sure Ted encouraged that. Um but it you know it certainly didn't help help us in our cause, that's for sure.
0: Well, I think that and I think you were one of the first bands that tried doing that to late like, really at the time. I mean, unless they tried with Kingdom Come at one point. I mean, I think it's you try to emulate produce a band to be somebody else they're not. Right. You last like an album, and then yeah. You know.
1: And there, you know, there's not much you can say if somebody thinks it sounds like Van Halen, or you can't really change their mind about it. But uh, to me, that I I didn't really get it. I didn't get that comparison, and I never, uh, I never was actually even that much of a Van Halen fan, to be honest with you.
0: Well, yeah, I definitely think his vocals probably brought it the most in there for that point. So I didn't yeah. hear any solos or anything like that. It was just mostly right it's song and then having strong background vocals a lot of bands didn't have that same harmony vocals at the time yeah coming in that was probably the best Ted. ted likes having vocals and harmony and he sings on a lot of albums he would do and write a lot of songs he'd play on the albums he was in so mm-hmm. so, so you guys toured for that album who'd you guys tour with
1: oh boy we toured mostly with uh we did a cinderella winger tour that was probably about six months long uh, we played with uh, man, Living Color, Ozzy, Poison, oh, wow, um, Bon Jovi that year. A lot of different bands, most of which I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting. But it was a great long tour. We uh, we did about 386 days. Wow, you know, around the world, played in uh, Europe, and the UK, Japan. So even though we didn't get everywhere I wanted to go, we got plenty of places. And by the time we got home, I was—we were all very tired.
0: <laughs> I'll bet. Wow, yeah. it's really—it's a lot because you guys were. Yeah, at that point, you guys were all over the media. that album really kind of broke pretty big, on MPV and everything else. The opposite of King Cobra, you were everywhere.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because that record was dead in the water when it first came out. We uh, released it, I think, in. September of 88 and the label wanted us to sit at home while they worked the record they wanted to have the record get some legs before they were going to give us any uh, tour support or, or get us out on the road so uh, about the time November came around uh, the record was was pretty much over and we did that video for Smooth Up and and it caught on at TV. And as I've I've told the story before, we uh, went up to the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, I think, to do a couple of arena dates with Cheap Trick. And then we were going to do a couple of shows on our own headlining. So we did the shows with Cheap Trick, who were my heroes. When I grew up, I all my yeah. dream was to go to Chicago to see Cheap Trick in a club. That was just all I ever wanted to do. But uh, we did those shows. And then once we got to... Uh, this club i remember sitting in a dressing room area upstairs and i wasn't really paying attention to what was going down in the club itself but when we came out to play the place was packed and i looked out and i could see a line around the block and uh, the, my first thought was so like do they think somebody else is here what where are all these people coming from because up to this point we've been playing to you know 20 30 40 people yeah. So uh, that was the first indication that our video had really
0: hit. That's insane and to just not know all Suddenly to walk out to that. Like, you yeah, get wild. a buzz. That is. I'll never forget it. That must have been a great night, though.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. I was uh, very pleased to see it.
0: Very cool. So so a good tour. It ends. You guys had two other albums that you guys were together for. Yeah. It's yeah, guys still on the same label? You guys get more control over them at that point?
1: yeah we we did um the second album took a little longer to to uh create there were some complications freak show uh yeah yeah freak show? Yeah. yeah exactly but that that finally came out and and uh, by that time uh, it seemed like the uh atmosphere had changed around that kind of music i think there was you know something else was starting to sort of come out
0: and um 91,
1: Vancouver. 92, right, Grunge? Yeah, 90,
0: 1991, I
1: think. That yeah, Grunge out. was coming. So, out. yeah, yeah, the old, uh, the old Grunge thing. So, uh, But we did our best. We went out and, and toured quite a bit and supported the record. And I, I'll never forget this one guy interviewing me. He, he was so upset that the record was so dark and, and dreary and, and cynical and uh, he really gave me a hard time he's like i love your first record it was so good and now this second one it's just so dark it's so depressing and what happened to you guys what happened it's funny <laughs> but uh that was just something you know it was our experience on the road for over a year and the music business for many more years than that so just a natural evolution i think
0: did you guys all write together was it a shared thing or was it like
1: uh, yeah, more so for the uh, the second record. On the first record, I had a number of songs, and uh, you know, most of the songs uh, were developed from an idea or a riff, and, and a lot of times I'd take them and wrote a lot of the lyrics. Um, and by the time the second record came around, I think there was more of a more of a democratic approach. Um, not that the first one wasn't but uh, yeah that, that sort of evolved and everything was uh, we just split everything four ways for yeah.
0: convenience and well sometimes it stops problems and sometimes it can make problems because if you're still a songwriter or if everyone's splitting their sound and the original sound of the band was a certain thing and everyone starts putting their own sound in which could be great diplomacy but if the band was a certain sound to begin with, they really liked
1: well, it I think to
0: shift it and water it down differently.
1: I think that's exactly what happened. You know, our first record was uh, a different, uh, went through a different process than the other two, and we just never got that back. So, I it's pretty easy to see in the you know the, the declining numbers and the way that our career went at that time that uh, that didn't really work out for us, and it certainly didn't work out for me. But.
0: I don't think if you had a big hit album at the time, I think it would have been hard, almost impossible to have a big hit album at the time. There's very few bands at 91, 92 for that era that were really knocking them out the park. Anyhow, I mean, yeah, you know, it was a
1: transitional period. That's for I sure. mean, there
0: was like I can't even think of it. It was a very some of the big artists. I think like Poison had their third album at the time, and maybe Alice Cooper had something. But you know, some of the bands had already been out there and had you know already headliners were kind of already kind of still skimming across the top of the water yeah before the total grunge thing took them out in like 93 94 right i don't i don't think you guys had a shot <laughs> yeah very shot that's you didn't, probably you know. fair.
1: and honestly by the time 1993 came around and i i left the band i was ready to move on in a different direction i just wanted to do ambient music and acoustic music and you know have fretless face all over my tracks so i i was definitely moving in a different direction that's that by the end of that too i was ready for something else
0: well that was the year that nobody actually they didn't really work the bands like in the 70s you know you could work an album two or three albums to develop a band there was no developing bands that's something you didn't have you guys wouldn't have a fair shot a lot of bands didn't have a fair shot because there was no development you know no it, was just no it was a, it was a framework and it was a sound and it was a genre and that was it it was numbers it wasn't mm-hmm. a band an album an audience oh we have a week out we have a good sales fans love it we have a, it's okay we still have an audience yeah um and uh oh your eggs ready yeah exactly <laughs>
1: um but and i was going to say that warren brothers actually was very very good to us they gave us pretty much everything we needed they gave us a lot of tour support really a lot of money on videos so they were by no means uh with us but still you know it has to result in something something more than more than platinum i
0: guess so so at that point when you left the band did the rest of the band break up or is it, it was just like you left and they were going to kind of replace i
1: you? i left the band in 93 I, I think jimmy followed shortly after i remember that we had a meeting where the two of us were uh just wanting at that point to uh make a break and um uh, that ended up happening, and Mark and Lonnie continued on playing shows, and I think they did some records, but at the time, I just started writing with other people and working on my stuff in my own studio and um, kind of finding where I wanted to be. To be honest with you, at that point, I was playing more hockey than guitar. I was having a good time taking a break from music. Yeah.
0: Locking it on. sounds like sounds like with all the the um, you're creative. And you have your own studio now, and having been in everyone else producing your music, it was really pointing you towards you taking total control of your own production and being a producer. It really feels like you you know, without knowing at the time, you kind of funneled that way. You evolved.
1: I think, I think that's a good way to put it. That's that's very well said, and and not something I've verbalized before. But that's totally true because that's what happened. By the time, because the Bullet Boys were always collaborations in the sense that even if I had my song the guys would put their stamp on it and uh, it, it seemed to fit that bullet boys mold but when that went away and it was all me it took a while for me to sort of find where yeah. I wanted to how I wanted it to sound and where I wanted to go so yeah that's a, that's a very lucid point I uh, never thought of it myself before well, I think it's-
0: yeah, there's like two kinds of music out there. I mean, you had like you know some bands are just driven by whoever's the main person. Like you know, you Iron Maiden is usually driven by Steve Harris, and yeah, sometimes Bruce Dickinson. But you know what I'm saying? There's a mm-hmm. sound. But then even even the Beatles, you know, John and, and you know and Paul took turns pretty much leading the chip. Sometimes gotta lead, the, lead, lead. You know what I mean? Yeah. The army just can't run in without a leader. Right. You need some kind of boat. And I don't think and you may have been sort of that leader, but song wise but you weren't allowed to kind of do that. And then once everybody kind of got together, it kind of didn't work like that. Um, so, you, so at that point you're, you're writing again, you're taking a break, where'd you go from there? Your well,
1: from there I got, I started to miss heavy rock again. I started to write heavier pop tunes and I ended up meeting uh, the future drummer for Five Finger Death Punch, Jeremy. And he uh, he ended up staying with me, and we started a, a band that future guitar player for Five Finger Death Punch would join. Um, and we had a cool four piece thing going on with you know dual weeds and, and was it Jason know.
0: Hook was it Jason Hook right? Jason, yeah, yeah, it was Jason. Yeah. Okay, so
1: it was uh, Jason, Jeremy, and uh, I found a bass player from my neck that was in Niagara Falls actually, and we had a good thing going. It was really fun to, to write those tunes, but. I I'm not I'm not a sort of a go getter when it get, comes to promoting and doing the legwork and the phone work and all yeah. that. I'm I'm just not that guy. I'm a I'm a writer. I'm a musician, and that's sort of the end of it for me. <laughs> like beyond that, I have a very difficult time. Even though that's part and parcel of what you have to do at this point, as yeah. well as then. I mean, nobody was helping us then either. But uh, so. That kind of uh, dissolved after a, a year or two, um, but some great music came of it, which hopefully uh, someday you'll hear. I've got the tracks that uh, I haven't had a chance to mix them, but uh, there's some good stuff in there. What
0: was the name? Would you have a name, or just we were going by Brainstem Babies at the
1: time. So uh,
0: that'd be great to hear.
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, well, I'll see if I can find something. I, I think I've put a couple of things down. I'll uh, I'll send it to you. Yeah, but. Um, after that, that just kind of evolved into uh, a power trio thing that that I did. I kept the bass player stayed with me, and uh, the drummer Troy Patrick Farrell, who you might know from some bands around town. Um, but we did even better stuff, as far as I'm concerned. It became more of a
0: power pop thing, which is what you like. Say it again. Which is what you liked more. Yeah, that's what I actually, like. Yeah. Yeah. And were you writing more? We do more of the writing in and the and uh, Yeah, all of it for the most part. So, both, what about the other band? The other one too? Was it more of a collaboration or are you writing all? Uh,
1: I was writing most of the material. There were. Overall, it started to evolve into, you know, the guys writing. But for <laughs> the most part is they were my songs. Yeah. So, um, so then. Geez, that was started we started to turn into the 2000s at that point i think i did a couple of couple of shows with bullet boys who got back together and did a uh like a live record live in the studio um and then i moved out of town i moved up north for 10 years or so and uh worked on my own stuff in my studio almost kind of retired frankly um but i still worked with jimmy a little bit and during that time i met shane who is a singer in hot summers and we would travel back and forth and worked on a lot of songs and uh uh those are starting to come to fruition now finally
0: yeah i heard that one song on your site it's nice thank you i like that a lot is um and then i also listened to uh is the other being the Lies to see and
1: uh, oh yeah ld like it's
0: it feels like it's an inside joke with the name like it's very very music industry uh
1: <laughs> well yeah tongue it, and
0: cheek I, or bitter i don't know if if it's one or the other or both
1: <laughs> it's actually the those are the last three words on uh at the end of the first record so yeah there is a okay. time okay
0: because so, yeah I saw you guys do a lot of bolt boys you with know, you know, all your clips up there. Yeah I did...
1: it was essentially us going out and and uh you know hitting those songs again you know with uh with a a singer who loved doing it. Shane was, you know, a fan of the band way back when, so he uh, he sounded good doing it, and it was fun to do. So we're having having a good time.
0: You still do that band too on the side for fun, or
1: no, no, just right now it's uh, Bullet Boys. I'm playing shows with, or at least hoping to next year.
0: That's what I was confused about because it sounded like you were and you weren't, but then now it's up, up still posting your site. It's a, it feels very current still, like it's still something you're doing. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. know if you were doing one or the other, and then I know you're doing your. The other band, the new one, Hot Summer, so I didn't.
1: Yeah, I should clarify that. Uh, but we sort of intended to work on new music with Bullet Boys. It's, it hasn't panned out, and I'm not sure when it will, if it does at all. So that gave me a chance to jump in back into the Hot Summer stuff, which has been sitting on hard drives for, in some cases, years. And uh, that's music that deserves to come out and, and be heard. So that's
0: my focus right now. Very cool. So, with the pandemic, (laughs) where's it it left you musically? Have you been able to take the time to work on your stuff? Because it seems like you don't, you know, you're more of a recording person, anyhow.
1: Yeah, I frankly uh, really loved the time off. Um, I uh, stay pretty busy normally, so uh, that was, although it was an awful way to have time off, of course. um, I made the most of it and, and. was able to work on things that i had not had a chance to do for for like i said in some cases years so it's uh although it sucks heavily and we've lost a lot of good people i try to make the most of it like everybody right
0: monty python right always look on the bright side of life <laughs> <laughs> totally i'm trying to learn that song now um <laughs> it's such a fun song <laughs> So with your recording studio, are you actually doing other artists? Or are you mostly just doing yourself or were you doing other artists and kind of a mixture? Your-
1: I uh, I was working no the answer is no, really. I don't I don't have anybody in my studio. It's pretty private. Um I did a did some shows with somebody named Tilly Tills, who was working with uh, I think she wrote a song with Dave Grohl and she was working with uh, somebody that was in Queens, Elaine Allen. I think is his name, guitar player, I guess. And they just, they did some really good music. It's really cool stuff. So I worked with her for a little bit and we did a Christmas song. It's called Merry Christmas baby. And I think she just re-released it. Uh, so that's out there, but that's really the only thing I've, I've done in my studio. I did a little bit with uh, Sandy Soraya. And we've got a song that, or she, I should say, has a song that I helped produce. And uh that's another thing that I want to get to and, and get out. But for the most part, my studio is private. I don't really. Do well, I think
0: it's a solo. Is that like a solo thing of hers, or, or is the band going to do something?
1: Uh, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. That I mean, we we talked about getting a band together and, and doing some playing, but I'm not sure when or if we're going to get a chance. She's to do got
0: that. a great voice. Oh yeah, and she's her a great voice.
1: Kid. I, I love her, but it's uh, it's just hard to find the time to do everything I want to do.
0: I know, there's not a lot of plus, you, you want more more women out there, you know, in the music industry. Now's a good time, so it's, it'd be nice to have her back out there again, too. Oh, yeah, and she should be,
1: but she's a little reluctant, too. I'm not really sure. Uh, I know she's got a busy life, but uh, yeah, I'd love to.
0: I don't um, blame any of you guys if I was, if I was from the 80s music, if I was in your spot by the time the 2000s came along for grunge, I'd be like living up in the hills, like talking to goats or something. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm so done. Well, that's kind of I, I did. I have a Walkman still, yeah. <laughs> looking, for ba- looking for batteries in the woods. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, honestly, that's that's kind of what I did when I moved up north with my family, and, and we just tucked ourselves away and bought a house and built a studio and kind of retired, like I said. Aside from you know working on music, and it was uh, maybe in retrospect not. You know the best move for us, but uh, you know it, everything. Like you said, you have the bright side of life.
0: I mean, it's you do what you want to do. You write songs, yeah. You work on music for a living. That's as I tell everybody, is that doesn't suck. You're still doing that. You're not. When right. my, my my example is always the canary. You're not taking the canary in a cage down the tunnel. You know, totally. Like and I can cool. do that anywhere.
1: You know, I can go. I could, like you, go to the mountains, go on a, live on a farm. You know, doesn't matter where I'm at. I can still work on right. music
0: that's that's pretty good that's really good stuff so yeah i usually you see what an artist is doing now because some people are streaming or working on albums and, and my thought right now is with everybody working on albums there better be some really good music out there and everybody be, they better sound tight they better do no, no bad yeah. notes i <laughs> yeah. had lots of time to practice and work on their album it was like oh, the first <laughs> album the first album you have your whole life and then the next album you have like two months i'm like yeah. well you have another whole life again to make another new album
1: that's so funny it's i never thought about that either but yeah everybody better come out Guns blazing. Yeah, but-